We're looking at the King's Sermon, and uh, today we're looking at the salt of the earth. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, uh, in verse 13. He says, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it, talking about the world or the earth, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. That's the verse, of course, that we're going to be focusing on today. Now, I want to start out, as we enter into this message, I want to start out by saying that the purpose of preaching is not to introduce new truths. And we, we need to understand this. The purpose of preaching is not to introduce new truths. And if you're coming each week to learn what new thing I'm going to tell you or new thing that I'm going to uh, bring out, uh, then you're going to be sorely disappointed because uh, that's not my job is to come up with new things from God's Word. Uh, but rather, uh, preaching is to emphasize and, uh, and to teach old truths, old uh, truths, old things that are, that are still true today and that are still uh, able to be applied to our lives uh, even in this age. Listen, there are no new truths. And if somebody says, listen, I came up with a new truth today, you better go check them out, okay? There, there are no new truths. There are only fresh perspectives to the old ones. Now, I say this because there's really nothing new that I could share with you about this verse. There, there's nothing new about salt that I can bring out. There's nothing new about what this means that I can tell you about today that you perhaps have not already heard. Uh, and, and I can't tell you anything new about what it means to be the salt of the earth. It means the same thing now as it did when Jesus said it over 2,000 years ago. But what I do want to do this morning is refresh our memories to this eternal truth. You see, the, the fact is, is that our minds are filled with truths. They're filled with things that we know to be right, things that we know to be true, but we don't do them, do we? <laughs> and, and that's where the refreshing has to come in. We know that we're to be the salt of the earth, but... Many of us, if we had to really make a confession this morning, would confess that we're probably not the salt of the earth that we ought to be. And so that's why we're going to go back through this and look at it. So refresh our memories to this eternal truth. And then if this is something you've never heard before, then of course this will all be new to you, but it's the same truth as from the beginning. You are the salt of the earth. Now in the Beatitudes, we spent quite a bit of time in the Beatitudes themselves in the Beatitudes, Jesus has shown us the characteristics of a true Christian. He says, you want to know what a true Christian looks like? Here it is. Here, here's eight Beatitudes that you can look at, and this will give you a, a, a good description of what the true Christian is supposed to be and what he's to look like. He has shown us the kind of person that his kingdom people are to be. And as we move through the Beatitudes, we cannot lose focus of the fact that Jesus is establishing a kingdom on this earth. And as the king of this kingdom, he is addressing the people and he is saying, if you are going to be in my kingdom, if you are going to live in this kingdom of heaven or this kingdom of God, then this is what you need to be in this kingdom. This is what my kingdom people are going to look like and, and what they're going to act like and what they're going to be. And that's what the Beatitudes do. They show us what we're to be. Jesus wants us to be the attitude people. This is something that I was discussing with Nikki on the way home uh, from our trip the other day when, when 
we had gone camping this past week. We were coming back Friday, and I said, I said, Nikki, you know what, what really is on my heart is that I've spent eight-plus weeks looking at the Beatitudes. And every week we come in, and every week we sit down, and, and every week we nod our heads, or we amen, and, and, and all those things. And we, I, I'm sure that all of us agree with the things that we've looked at in the Beatitudes. I said, but at the end of the day, if we, are, if we see what we're supposed to be in the Beatitudes, and we know what's right, and we know what Jesus expects by looking at these things, and we agree with it, and we say, yeah, you know, that's right, we ought to be acting like that, but we look at our own lives and realize that that's not what we are, that we are far removed from what Jesus really wants us and really expects us to be, how do we get to that point? What, what has to happen in our own lives that moves us in the direction of you know, being a, a beatitude-living Christian? And I think that's where probably many of us stand as we come in week after week and, and we listen to these sermons and we listen to God's Word and, and we see things about our lives and we notice, hey, that's true, that's right. Amen to that, brother. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not there. What, what do I have to do to get there? And I really hope that that's a desire in your heart. I, I hope that you haven't just come in for the last several weeks as we looked through these Beatitudes and said, hey, that's really interesting. Eh, thanks, maybe you'll bring out something next week I hadn't thought about and, and move on. Uh, I, I hope that you're, you're taking this, you're letting this soak in. I hope that you're letting God speak to your heart and, and make corrections in your own lives because li- this, is, this is so important. I believe that God wants this church, Calvary Baptist Church, I believe He wants this church to be a Beatitude church. He wants us, He wants you to be beatitude people. And if we are, He can do something with us. If we are, He can use us for His honor and glory. And, and I'll be completely honest with you today. I, I know that we could go through town, and, and I, I'm not doing this to sling any condemnation on, on any other churches or anything, so don't, don't take it like that at all. But we could go to many other churches in town, and, and listen, they're probably packed full. There's some that aren't like us, you know. But, but there are some that are probably just packed full. Maybe they had to bring in extra chairs, you know, to get all the people in. And, and I understand that that is that's something, but, but this is what my desire for our church is. I would rather have 70 Beatitude Christians than 700 people who just come to a service. than 700 people who just show up, or 7,000 people who are just wearing that Christian badge that we've been talking about. They've stamped it on them, and, and they're carrying it around, but they're, they're not really Christians. Am I saying we're there yet? No, but that's, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's what God is laying on my heart. That's what I want to be. That's what I want you to be, and that's what I want us as a church together to begin focusing on, and, and not just say, yeah, that's, that's good stuff there, but, but to really look at and really yearn for and pray for God to show us how, how can we be beatitude people? How can we be the real people of your kingdom that you have called us to be? And so that's what the beatitudes have done for us. They have shown us what we are to be, what our lives are supposed to be like. And then he moves directly on as we, we go straight through the beatitudes. The very next thing that he does is, is he gives two illustrations that show us the type of impact 
that we are to have on our culture. And, of course, uh, they show us that uh, Jesus shows us that we are, be, are to act as salt and, of course, to act as light as well. We have the salt of the earth here. Next week we're going to be looking at uh, what he says about being the light of the world. Now, remember that the Beatitudes show us that a Christian is to be counter-cultural. That means that as we stand in this culture, as we stand in this society, that we are not just going to blend in. We're not going to be camo Christians. We're not going to be undercover. That, that we are going to stand opposed to the things that are wrong in our culture. That we're going to stand for what is right. And then, and then uh, of course, he shows us in these verses, uh, when he says to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world, he shows us how we can have that type of countercultural impact in our world. Now, at first glance, as we look through the Beatitudes, and they are, they're so strong, and, and the words are so strong here, the Beatitudes are so strongly opposed to the world that they may appear to teach complete separation from, from the world altogether. And so we look, and it says uh, here that we're to be poor in spirit, we're to be, we're to be mourning over sin in our life, we're to be meek and, and uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be peacemakers, and, and, uh, and all those other things, and and we look at this and we think, the only way I'm ever going to be able to be all that is if I completely separate myself from a world that, that is not all those things. And so it may teach at first glance that, that we've got to separate ourselves from the world in order to be what Christ wants us to be. But then at the very, in the very next breath, He shows us that although, yes, we are to be separate from the world, that we have to still be in the world. We can't be the salt of the earth if we go make a camp somewhere out in the middle of the woods and decide to live out our lives there. We can't be the salt of the earth there. We can't be the light of the world if we separate ourselves from society and to separate ourselves from all the sinfulness that we find in the world. You see, the salt and the light, they go straight to the infection. They go straight to the decay. Or they go straight to the darkness. Right? And that's what Jesus wants for, for us here. He says, you, do, you be different from the decay in this world. You be different from the corruption in this world. You be different from the, from the darkness in this world. Be something different. But at the same time, you've got to be in it to have an effect. You've got to be in it to impact it. And so he is emphasizing the truth that we find elsewhere in the Bible where we're told that, that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to be a people of, and a kingdom of radically different people that, that do not merely exist in the world. And that's really what we have. I, I think as we look at Christianity uh, you know, just across the board, I think that there are a lot of Christians that uh, they're out there and, and they're just existing in the world. They're just standing there or, or sitting there or whatever they're doing. They're, they're just existing. They're, they're present, but they're not really doing anything. But we are not to be a different people that are just existing but are actively impacting the world for God. We're to be a kingdom that is constantly working towards the same goal of our King. And what is Jesus' goal? It's to reconcile the world with God. To bring the world, a world that is sinful and a world that is, is, is corrupt and all this, to bring it back to God. And that ought to be our, uh, of course, focus and, and goal in life as well. Today we're going to focus on the first of these two illustrations, of course, salt here. And uh, we're going to jump right into the message here in just a second. But I want to give you just a little bit of information on salt 
that I want you to use this information as we go through the rest of the sermon. Just be thinking about this as we go through. And you can write this down. You've got bulletin paper and all that. You can write it down if you want. But salt in the ancient world uh, served several different purposes. And, and there are three that are most common here. And if you want to write this down, you can. But uh, one, of the, one of the main purposes for salt, of course, was for seasoning. And that's what we use salt for, uh, you know, mostly here. This, the, our, our use for salt is mostly going to be for seasoning. And so they would use it for seasoning. And Jesus even talked about that. He talked about salt is good. And, uh, and it's good for seasoning as well. And I am a firm believer. Listen, if Jesus said use salt, I think we ought to use as much of it as we possibly can, right? And uh, so I dump that stuff on. But uh, that's not good for you. That's not good advice. So don't do that. Uh, but it is good for seasoning, and it, it does bring out flavor. It brings out taste, and, and that, that is definitely something good. Uh, it's also used as an antiseptic, which means that it's good for cleaning wounds. As wounds are open and bacteria sets in and things like that, uh, they would actually rub salt onto wounds or salt onto cuts, things like that, and it would work as an antiseptic uh, for cleaning out those wounds. But uh, the most common use was that of a preservative, and it was used for, for preserving meat. And so when an animal was slaughtered, an animal was killed, they would, they would uh, rub it down in salt and, and, uh, or pack it in salt, and that would help to of course, preserve that meat from decay or corruption. Those are the thoughts that I want you to carry in your mind with us as we go through the rest of this sermon. Now, as we look at, uh, at verse 13, and, and let's just read that verse again. He says in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt is all the savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It again being the world there. As we read this verse, our, our mind is... First of all, it's brought to us being salt. I mean, that's the first thing that really grabs our mind. But before we can really talk about us being salt, we first of all have to recognize the fact that, uh, that just the mere need for salt suggests something about the earth itself. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, if there's a need for salt, then, then something's wrong with the earth. Something is going on with the earth. And, and what the problem is with the earth is that, just very simply, it is corrupt. The earth is corrupt. Now, the earth does not merely refer to the physical earth, but, of course, to the people who populate it. And the truth is that the earth is filled with billions and billions of people around this world, and God deeply loves and, and cares for each and every one of those people in the world. Uh, the earth is filled with, with all types of people. But here's the truth about the world. It is, it is filled with corruption. So we look around today. We can't help but shake our heads at the stuff that's going on. Crime is abounding. Immorality is rampant. Wickedness is multiplying. Evil is everywhere. And it doesn't seem to be improving. The world's not getting better, folks. People are not getting better. It's getting worse. The stink of decay is all around us. And the corruption of man's imagination is growing filthier every single day. It doesn't take much of checking the news or, or checking what's going on lately on the Internet or or wherever it may be, to, to see just how vile and corrupt man's imagination is getting. And every day we're thinking up of, of new ways to, 
uh, either for violence or new ways for uh, just whatever it may be. And, and uh, it's definitely the world's getting worse. And, and I, I don't mean to be, you know, doom and gloom and all this. That's not the, the point of this message, but it's just to, to notice a simple fact. We can't blind our eyes to what's going on in the world. And it's not something new. It's something that has been going on uh, since the beginning. It is corrupt. It is wrong. Um, it's polluted. Now, going back to meat, before refrigeration, and I don't know if we have anybody here that remembers not having a refrigerator. Anybody? Nobody wants to raise their hand and say that. Brother Decker, he, he threw it up, but nobody else wants to say, yeah, I remember back then. Uh, but back before refrigerators, you, you may remember this yourselves, when an, animal, when an animal was slaughtered, and most often it would be a, they would kill a hog, and, and, you know, here in our, in our uh, part of the world, uh, they, they would kill a hog, and, and what would you do to the hog meat after you killed it? Well, you, yeah, you go pack it in salt because it doesn't take long for that meat to start uh, corrupting or, or rotting. And so what happened is, is the salt preserved the meat. It, it, it stopped or slowed down that decaying or that corrupting process. You know, there's no smell quite like that of rotting flesh. It's horrible. It's something that just kind of sticks with you lingers. And I know that's definitely not what we want to think about before lunch on Sunday morning. But I want you to imagine what God smells coming up from this earth. What He smells. What fills His nostrils. And there's all, all sorts of stuff where it talks about that we are to offer up uh, sweet sacrifices to be a, a sweet-smelling savor to God. And so if He if through our good works and through our good actions and through uh, our prayers and, and the, the good things that we do, the godly things that we do, if he smells things that are sweet and smells things that are good, I wonder what he smells from corruption and sin. And I imagine if we could pan back from this earth, put on our spiritual senses, we would see uh, an aroma of just corruption and and filthiness uh, ascending its way to heaven. How important it would be to apply good quality salt to that meat in order to preserve it from decay and destruction. And that's, that's the point that we're getting at today, is that this world needs salt. This world needs that preservative applied to it. And so that in itself brings out the very purpose of the kingdom of heaven. And as we've been talking about, Jesus went about to set a kingdom of heaven on this earth, a kingdom not not bound by nation. It wasn't just the nation of Israel, but of anyone who believes in Christ, anyone who comes to Him by faith becomes a part of this kingdom. And His desire was for this kingdom to spread abroad throughout all the world. It's a kingdom where Christ the King reigns in our very hearts. And no matter where we are, no matter where we're located on the earth, that, that He is our King and that we are existing here on this earth and existing in this world as a part of this heavenly, godly, righteous kingdom that exists. And as we exist in this righteous kingdom and as we live here in a world of unrighteousness, God, of course, wants us to have an effect. He wants us to have an impact on this world around us. He wants us to, uh, to have a good impact, of course, on, uh, on all the corruption and all the sin that is going on. Jesus called us here the salt of 
the earth. And we could spend quite a bit of time here dabbling in all the uses for salt and trying to apply them to the Christian life. And we could talk about how salt flavors food and, and all those things we mentioned before. But in Jesus' day, the primary use of salt was to be a preserving agent. As salt, God's desire is to apply His Christians to every part of the world. And I just imagine someone who um, has gone out to his, to his livestock and has, has slaughtered, uh, whether it be a lamb or, or slaughtered a, uh, a calf or whatever it may be, and, and uh, he has prepared the meat and he's brought it in. And, and uh, of course, it, you know, he knows that decay is going to set in quickly if he doesn't get this thing uh, taken care of. And so he begins taking salt and packing salt around and rubbing it into the meat itself and, and uh, applying it to every single part. You don't want to leave anything uncovered, do you? He wants to apply it to every part. And as I think about God in this world, God sees the corruption in this world. He sees the decay that's going on. And His, His desire is for us as salt. Listen, we're not salt appliers. We are the salt. We are the very salt of the earth. And, as, and what His desire is, is, is He wants to take us and He wants us to put us all over this earth. He wants to rub us into the, the very places of decay and corruption. And there are places that in meat are going to decay faster than others, and so it might need a little bit more salt. But here's the truth, is that on planet Earth, there's a place called Orlando that God saw. And He decided to take some salt, Calvary Baptist Church, and and applies right to that area and rub us in right here in this community for us to do what? Come here on Sundays and sit for an hour or two? Now, so much more than that. But so that as we go to the jobs that are around here, as we go to the marketplaces around here, as we go to, as we're driving down the road and have that I love Jesus sticker on the back of our cars, that that we show Jesus in everything that we do, that, that we act as the preserving agent of this world, as a, as a righteous preservative in the kingdom of heaven. We are to counteract the world by confronting death with the gospel and by combating decay with godliness. If we allow Christ to produce in us a life that is characterized by the Beatitudes if we show ourselves to be humble and meek and merciful and pure and agents of peace in this world, then it will have an impact on the earth around us. Jesus warned that such a life will spawn persecution as we look in verses 10 through 12. He says if you live a life that is right, if you live a life that is characterized by the Beatitudes, people are going to persecute you. It's just going to happen. And we've talked about that in depth uh, in the past couple of weeks. But he also assures us here that righteous Christians will have a greater impact on the world than the world's persecution is going to have on us. He says, yes, if you live a holy and righteous life, there are going to be people who mistreat you. There are going to be people who, uh, who do things that are wrong to you. And, and all that stuff is going to happen. But he says, this is also what can happen. If you're a true Christian, if you're one that, that lives according to the Spirit of God and allows Him to produce real righteousness in your life, then you can be something else in this world. You can be salt on the earth. You can be light in the world. And that's what He wants us to be. We can have a real impact on the world around us. 
See, the truth is, is that real Christianity is going to be received in one of two ways. It's going to be received with persecution or it's going to be received with respect. What I mean is that when people know who you are and what you stand for, when they know that you're a Christian, sometimes they're going to purposely push your buttons. Right? I mean, if they, don't, if they know that you don't drink, they're going to purposely do things. You know, They're going to purposely invite you to go drinking with them. They're, they're, and they know what they're doing. They're, they're pushing your buttons. And I just use that as an example. Whatever it may be. If, if they know that you're a Christian, they're, they're going to try to do things to irritate you. But here's something else that will happen. Often, what they'll do is they'll change their behavior when you're around. I've seen it. The cursing stops. The dirty jokes are whispered instead of being said aloud. The gossip ends when you walk into the room. And that is the impact that Jesus wants us to have. I remember before I was pastoring, back when I was in the uh, the workplace, um, at, at my job, you know, people just talked filthy. And, uh, I mean, just all kinds of stuff would, would come out of their mouths. And, and uh, you know, I heard a lot of it, and, and sometimes they would just go on anyway, like I said, push, pushing buttons. But a lot of times when I came in, and I wasn't a pastor then or anything, but they knew that I was a Christian, they knew, they knew what I stood for, and a lot of times when I came in, if they were talking about something dirty, they would say it. Now, they would say it jokingly or whatever, but they would stop, and they would say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's here, we, we don't want to... Uh, you know, offend Anthony or anything. You know, so they would they would stop with the jokes or they stop with the filthy uh, talk or whatever it may be. And uh, and you know, at, at some point, I I felt I felt good about that. You know, that they they recognized enough of God in me that that they wanted to stop whatever it was that they were doing. You know, in, in order to uh, to I guess to cater to uh, my own beliefs or my own. Convictions, and I believe that's what that, that's what God wants. Is I'm not trying to, uh, you know, of course, to, to lift myself up here or anything. I I definitely was not the the model Christian that I should have been. But I've seen at times when that cursing would stop and when all that stuff would uh, would just cease because the presence of a Christian was there. And again, that I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. That's the kind of impact He wants us to have. But ultimately, not just that they would stop talking or not that the dirty jokes would stop or, or not that those things would happen, but that, that respect would become so high that, that they would become so highly respectful of, of the Christian uh, virtues and morals and all the other stuff that eventually they themselves would come to Christ. I think that's what He wants from us is to, to live a life before them that will eventually lead them to conversion. Of all the benefits that salt has, you see, there's one that we must not fail to mention, and that is its ability to create thirst. It never fails. When I eat salt, I get thirsty. They said... The old saying goes that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You ever heard of that before? The truth is, you can make him drink. Give him salt, and I guarantee you, he's going to go straight to the water. It creates a thirst. 
our lives are not only to be a a preserving agent of righteousness in this world, but what I want you to understand is that our lives, the lives that you live in front of other people, the the things that you do and the things that you say and and, uh, the faith that you have and your love for God and your love for Christ, it is meant to create a thirst in other people to make them thirst after that same water of life, that same living water that is satisfied to you. That leads us to the third and final thing here, and that is the tragedy of compromise. And, and before I get here, let me just say this. A speaker usually knows when he's lost the crowd. I don't know if I'm just really boring this morning or if y'all are just really focused on something else, but I want you to listen to this last part, okay? All right, don't, if it's me, if I'm failing here this morning, then just forgive me for that, but listen to God's Word, okay? This is important. And, uh, and so I, I see the, the wondering eyes and minds and stuff, but I, I want you to, to listen to what I'm saying about it. God has something he, he wants you to listen to this morning, and I ask that you would listen just for a little bit longer. As we look at verse 13, let's read that verse again. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever made a salary in your life? You're making one now or you've made a salary in your life. Raise your hands if you've ever made a salary. The word salary actually stems from the Roman Empire when they would pay their soldiers with salt. So the word salary really means salt money. How would you like that? Put in a good week of work and you get a big bag of salt at the end of the week. Make you feel great, wouldn't it? And, uh, and so that salary means salt money. Now, of course, the quality of that salt would determine its value on the market. If it was good quality salt, I mean, the better quality, of course, the, the more that it was worth. And, and then if, if that salt became compromised or exposed to the elements or whatever it may be, and, and it lost its saltiness or it lost its quality, then, of course, it would decrease in value to the very point where if, if there was no value in it, what they would do is they would literally take it and throw it out into the streets, and people would walk on it. It would just be treaded by the, the feet of men. And that's what he says here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are meant to be a preserving agent in this world. You are meant to create a thirst for God in this world. Because you are so salty, because you are such a, a, a high quality of standards and morals and righteousness in this world, uh, you are the salt of the earth. You're meant for a purpose here. But if you have lost your savor, if you've lost your quality, if you've lost your saltiness, then what happens? You're good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. That, that's not talking about losing salvation. It's just talking about coming to a point of complete uselessness for God. How sad it is that the markets and workplaces today are filled with Christians. I mean, there's Christians. I believe there there are believers in Christ all over the place. There may be some that you work with that claim to be Christians. But how sad it is that 
These places are filled with Christians who have lost their saltiness. You know, I asked you a couple of weeks ago to test your effectiveness as a Christian by whether or not you were being persecuted. Jesus says that if we live a life characterized by the Beatitudes in verse 10, that we're going to be persecuted because of those things, that persecution is going to come. And so I ask you to test that effectiveness by whether or not you are being persecuted. Are people harassing you for your faith? Are they harassing you for what you believe? Are you, are you being persecuted for those things? But here's another part of that test. Are you being respected as a Christian? Do the conversations actually change around you? Do people feel uncomfortable discussing certain things when your presence is there? Does the gossip chain stop when you walk in? Are you making a real impact on this world? And I would say that for the most part in Christianity that the answer is emphatically no because most of the time they're not going to stop the gossip when we walk in because most of the time we're the ones that start it. Are we not? They're not going to stop the dirty jokes because half the time we're laughing at them. They're not going to stop the, the filthy talk or, or the, the bad language because we act like it doesn't bother us. We act like, ah, yeah, you know, just go ahead and do what you've got to do. And we act like it's no real problem as, as if it's something that we become tolerant of. You see, the truth is, is that things are quite the same when we're around. Listen, the point is this. If your Christian life is not causing some kind of reaction, everywhere the Apostle Paul went, people either wanted to kill him or their lives were being changed. He, he is a great example of what it means to be the salt of the earth. If your Christian life is not causing some kind of reaction, if people are not harassing you, if they're not persecuting you, or if they're not changing their ways around you, I've got news for you. You've lost your saltiness. Somewhere along the way, you've compromised. Somewhere along the way, You've given in. And so you're presented with two choices today. Two very simple choices. You can stay the same. You can leave here this morning and say, yes, I know all about the salt of the earth. I know I'm supposed to be the salt of the earth. I know that I'm supposed to do all these. I know all this. And so you can agree with it, but, but say, I'm just going to stay the same way that I am. I'm not going to make changes. But here's the thing. If you do, you'll be useless. Or, the second decision you can make, the second choice is that you could come to God if you realize that somewhere you've lost that saltiness. If you realize that you're not really having a Christian impact on the people around you, you could come to God and ask to be renewed. Ask for Him to recycle your life, I guess, and give you that effectiveness and, and give you that testimony and that godly righteousness that He wants in your life. But here's the thing. 
you really only have those two choices. There, there's not a third option. You can either stay the same, or you can ask God to change you today. And the choice is yours. I, I present it to you. If God's Spirit is working on your heart this morning, I just simply ask that you would listen to what He has to say and and uh, and follow His command. As we.